At ViStar, we believe in better. Our members now have access to more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. And now, from the Daytona Beach News Journal. And he is a lap away from the checkered flag in the Daytona 500. The voice of NASCAR. Austin Dillon wins the 60th running of the Great American Race. Daytona Motor Miles with Ken Willis and Godwin Kelly. Ken Wellis, Goblin Kelly, and I want to thank NASCAR for uh, not doing what they normally do. It's usually the day after we are uh, done with a podcast, they unleash big news. But this time, they did it the day before we taped the the podcast. With that Tuesday, um, eh, somewhat of a bombshell about big schedule changes coming in 2020. But uh, I think it's a forerunner of even more dramatic changes that are going to be coming in 21. We'll talk about that. We will go over the winners and losers from the schedule change for 2020. We'll do that with myself and Godwin Kelly, who's over here Facebook living right now. And um, that's pretty much going to eat up all available airtime here today. But we'll try to uh, get up in the stadium about the, what's been going on through SZA. And uh, there's plenty of winners. And, well, there's a few winners there, too. So we'll talk about that. We'll do this, that, the other, whatever comes to mind. And, of course, we'll play the birthday game at the end. Got a and, big one. Got a big one. And today. I am here. One trick pony right now. You're yeah. Facebook living, which means can't you talk. I told you you can't talk. I got to point the camera. All right. All right. We'll get uh, And, uh, as they say, much, much more. All right. Knee-jerk reaction to the wholesale changes on the 20 for the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series schedule. Mr. Kelly, you go first. All right. Well, then let me hit this so that it faces me. Oh, that can't. We can't miss that. Hey. It's always a shocker, isn't it? When that came, when you look at your phone and you and you see oh, your face when you're not oh expecting God. to. Oh. Well, and then also it's like right up against your face. Yeah, I mean that so, is always a right. uh, that is a fine so, howdy do. I'm going to do. I learned from last week. You need longer arms. I need longer arms, okay. and I need to have it elevated. For, uh, oh, for absolutely! Mine. You got to take those pictures from yeah. above. Yes, and I'm hatless. Yes, today, if so. I ever if I have ever have to take a glance, I'm going to sneeze. Hold on, really. Well. All right. God bless you. Uh, normally, sir. if I see if I say I'm going to sneeze, I don't sneeze. But oh my God, that one was too far along. Uh, my next uh, glamour shot for the paper or whatever is going to be taken from the uh, Hubble Space Telescope. <laughs> yeah. Well, getting back to your uh, your entry point there on the discussion. Uh, yes. Um, my takeaway is, you know, NASCAR has been doing like the same. You know, they've been they change it a little bit here and there. Not much. But it's been really the same schedule year after year after year. It had become sort of an annual uh, uh, rite, uh, R-I-T-E, and that every year people say, oh, changes are coming, changes are coming, and then they announce the schedule, and it's basically the same basically schedule. Basically the yeah. same schedule. With maybe one little massage or yeah. tweak here and there. So Usually a tweak, not a massage. That will get you in trouble, <laughs> so, I'm told. So what I'm thinking is, and I think that you're thinking this too. Oh, is, look at you, is, presuming is that this is i even asked this to steve o'donnell yesterday on the teleconference name dropper he's the vice president of competition at nascar 
And I said, is this kind of the appetizer before we have the full course meal the following year? And yeah. he, he kind of laughed and said, yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. So, uh, but they don't, they're not going into any detail about 2000, God, I'm losing 2021. Of course not. Yeah. So, uh, but he did strongly indicate that, yes, this is the precursor to, that's a big word yeah. for me. Uh, this is the this is the front runner to them doing more changes a, a year later. Well, what happens is, and we got to explain the reasoning that it's being done oh, this way. Please, turn. Uh, they please feel turn. the need to do okay. something right away to to tweak the schedule right away and get bring a little bit of uh, excitement, perhaps. And now, what they have not there's been all kind of talk about uh, NASCAR returning to the fairgrounds, Speedway in Nashville where they race from like 1950 to 82, I think. It's a still operational speedway. They run a short track program there. They have several special events a year. Uh, and perhaps in a in a pie-in-the-sky world, uh, a lot of fans would love to see them race on the dirt at Eldora. And there's also some uh, momentum building to see them run, uh, go to the Road Course of the Americas, which is in Austin, which is now North America's uh, Formula One race host right uh beautiful race course a great facility state-of-the-art so that would be a fourth road course race and people have sort of changed their mind over the years on road course races they tend to like them more than they used to so but none of that can happen until 21 because 2020 is the fifth year of a five-year sanctioning agreement between nascar and the tracks that host all of its races so they can't if they have a five year agreement to run at say Pocono or Michigan or Darlington or whatever they can't in year three or four say oh guess what we're not racing there next right. year they could but <laughs> it wouldn't be pretty the fallout but after twenty after twenty and heading into twenty one they yes they can set aside say all right no there's not going to be two Pocono races they're going to have one they're going to be one at Michigan there's only going to be one at New Hampshire all that's just I'm just throwing that out there as potential examples, and then but they got if they're going to put a race at Austin, if they're going to put a race at El, at Eldora, which I don't think they're going to do necessarily, if they're going to put a race at Nashville, those races have to come from somewhere. They're not adding races to the schedule at this point, and uh, so that's that can't happen until year after next, and that's why I just went through all that. <laughs> well, anyway, um, boy, that was amazing. Yeah, but. Uh, Anyway, we'll be what will be interesting, you know, that by putting Pocono, the two Pocono races next year on the same weekend, a doubleheader weekend. You know, Indy does this in uh, Detroit, in the Detroit area. They run on a Saturday and a Sunday, right. two separate races. Uh, by doing that, it shaves a week off the schedule. Um, but they're talking about possibly a couple of midweek races starting in twenty one. Um, they're looking to shorten that February to November uh, schedule. They're trying to get it. PGA Tour did this in the last over the last few years. It took them a, a, some time to get to it. They finally did it this year, where the golf season will end at a uh, you know reasonable time, like around the time football starts. So nobody right. likes to butt heads with the NFL. No, gosh. And no. so they're they're going to be looking to try to do as get a shave as much off of the schedule as possible without. They got to find try to find that sweet spot somewhere where you're not uh, going dark for so much of the year that people forget you exist. Right. <laughs> Think about the NFL; they can go dark for 
you know, theoretically dark for six months, but everybody always knows they're around because there's always something going on. Right. There's the NFL Combine. There's the draft. There's mini camp. There's rookie mini camp. There's stuff going on all the time in, in the NFL, so they're always in the news. And, uh, so and they've got their own uh, TV station, Well, too. Yeah, NASCAR almost does. <laughs> Not in name, but in, in, in theory. So anyway, that that's going to be coming in 21. So all this is uh, interesting, and uh, what we need to do is take a break, and we're going to come back, well, and we're going to go over the winners and losers, and we're going to well, grab a couple of clips from uh, – yeah. From Speed, Daytona Speedway President Chip Wow and from NASCAR VP Steve O'Donnell, sort of explaining why all this was done, and we'll get to that and the winners and losers and blah and, blah and blah. Say, say goodbye to our Facebook Live people and tell them you know you got to go to DaytonaMotorMiles dot com to get the rest of this stuff. I'll never remember what, all that. What did DaytonaMotorMiles dot com? What did Steve O'Donnell say exactly? Oh, what? they got what you're you're teasing them. Yeah. Right? Okay. All right, so thanks for joining in. We'll see you next week and, for uh, our 100th episode, ooh, by the way. big one next yeah. week, 100. Yeah. yeah. All right, All so right. they're gone. We're out. And we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back for the second leg. Daytona Motor Mouse, Ken Willis, Goblin Kelly. And uh, we like to refer to this segment as uh, you'll get that in Big Time Auto Racing. And uh, what you get is winners and losers. Normally at a race, you get a winner and a bunch of losers. Right. All right. So yesterday, uh, we were sort of going over, doing a mental checklist of winners and losers and with the schedule changes. And the first obvious winner is Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix. Are you kidding me? Phoenix just they, got a $175 million renovation. They just knocked it out of the park, baby. I'm and, telling you. And they now have the final race of the season. The championship weekend moves from Homestead to phoenix which is huge for phoenix huge for phoenix but is it huge for the rest of us i don't know does it really matter because it's a tv event for the most part yeah but still it's huge for phoenix because that's gonna uh you know that's gonna bump ticket sales obviously yeah and And they just made a big investment there so they need to do whatever they can it's like a it's it's kind of like what they've done with daytona over the last uh let's see 2005 to now over the last 15 years Mm-hmm. You know, they recreated the garage area. They created the stadium. They replaced the grandstands. Well, Phoenix has done all that in, you know, like one shot, basically. They recreate. They built like a stadium-like structure, reconfigured the infield so that it's more fan-friendly. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, they want to make sure that that investment pays dividends, my friend. Loser, Homestead. Oh. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, spin, spin this if you can. Spin it as a I, positive. I don't know how to spin it as a positive. Here you go. Because Their race goes from the season finale to March. Right. So, um, March I'd, 22 next year. You know, I almost wish they kind of maybe have done it the week after the 500, maybe. Make it kind of the Florida swing and then do the West swing. Well, they won't do that because they the Daytona Speed Weeks gets a lot of uh, visitors from all over the state. You well, know, Speed Weeks gets people from all over the country. Yeah, but they don't want to shave off. Uh, maybe they, they they might be shaving off one or two thousand well, people. Think who, of it. Think of it this way, my friend. Yes. Okay, so. You have speed weeks. We start out with the clash, and then the, you have the qualifying races, and then you have the 500. 
And that's going to change in 21, by the way. I guarantee it. So my thought would be is if those people and, – and the crowd builds as the week goes on. And mm-hmm. people are – some people only want to see the 500. Yeah. Well, what about those people say, hey, if we get two races at two different tracks in Florida in the spring or winter. I don't know. That's winter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that's a – to me, that makes sense. No, it does not. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Winter Daytona Speedway. Yes? Uh I think yes because the um the race as <laughs> Steve O'Donnell said yesterday, that race never sells out. <laughs> Talking about the July race. Yeah. Yeah. So he said uh you know, uh we're all for tradition and all that, but he said that if you look at the importance of having the regular season finale at Daytona, mm-hmm. that outweighs the tradition of having it on the 4th. It's not even on the 4th of July anymore. Right. It's the 4th right. of July weekend. First Saturday of July. Yeah. Sometimes it's on July 4th or on July 4th weekend, yes. Yeah, yeah you got to – let me calculate the odds. <laughs> let me not – I think a 2-7 in seven chance of it being on the 4th of July yeah. weekend. Yeah, so one in seven chance of it being on the fourth of July. Yeah, so I like that. Wait a minute, got to factor in leap year. <laughs> one seven carry the one pi r square. Shh, never mind. Never mind. So, I had it there for a minute. So anyway, uh, anyway, I don't even know what I was saying now. Yeah. I forgot. So they're, it's going to be the last race of the regular season, which means uh, Matt DiBenedetto or Ricky Stenhouse or somebody could win that plate race conceivably. Yeah. and get into the playoffs. Yeah. And also, you're going to have, uh, in a perfect storm, you're going to have the Bubble Boys back there in the 16th, 14th through 18th, that kind of thing. Right. And they're going to be on the bubble where they're they're in position to either fall out of the top 16 or get into the top 16 to make the playoffs, and you're going to a plate race at Daytona. Right. Or there won't be plates anymore, but you get the message. I got it. And so the big one could be followed by a bigger one back in the garage area when, all the, when everybody's pissed off, you know? So because there's going to be... You know, there's going to be a lot of angry, potentially a lot of angry people at the end of a big wreck or at the end of the race at Daytona because you know how those things are. I mean, they slip and slide so much here at the end. You're in first place one lap, and halfway through the next lap, you're in 12th and vice versa. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the end of that race. When, and if they've got that real-time, and they will, they'll have real-time scoring as who's in the playoffs right now and who's not as they're coming off – you know, turn two going down the backstretch on the final lap. Right. So that makes Daytona a winner in my book. Loser Atlanta. Why, you say? Yeah, why? You want me to tell you? Yeah. Atlanta has recently been the second race on the schedule following Daytona. Wow, that's a great position. Yeah, it sure is. People from Daytona go straight to Atlanta. Well, and and not just that. What you have is you have the carryover effect from Daytona, which always makes the second race of the year higher ratings than just about any of the other races throughout the year. It's it's almost like a law of nature. Uh, The Daytona 500 gets the best ratings of any race throughout the year. Some of them people, given all the hype and everything and the buzz afterwards, some of them people remain on the bus and watch the Atlanta race, or wherever the second race of the year is. Right. It brings, you know, and then by the third week, there's there's fewer – viewers fourth week even fewer viewers and then it flattens out and gets to whatever level it's going to be the rest of the year 
So now Atlanta's been moved back, at least for next year, to March 15th. So what's going to happen is Daytona used to go Daytona-Atlanta, and then they would go out west for the three-race West Coast swing, Vegas, Fontana, Phoenix. Right. Well, next year they're going to go straight from the Daytona 500 to that West Coast swing, and Atlanta will tuck in after the West Coast swing between Phoenix and Homestead's new date. Wow. So I think that makes Atlanta, in terms of TV numbers, a loser. Now, having said that, they can also be – I can spin it that they're a winner strictly because that extra three or four weeks that they have climatically makes them a winner because it will it will almost have to be warmer on March 15th than it would be on February 23rd. Oh, yeah. Not, you know, dramatically, <laughs> but it seems to me that March 15th, you're within sniffing distance of spring on the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> So, uh, it, it, you know, with spring on deck there, you almost can will the weather to be a little better. I mean, let's let's say four out of five years, the yeah. weather on March 23rd will be better than the weather on February 23rd, or March 15th versus February 23rd. Right. Four out of five years, I would say it would probably be better. So in that regard, if they hold that date, or at least that position on the schedule in 21 going forward, I think. They can be. They could classify themselves as a winner, right? As far as TV ratings go, loser, but not by a lot. Maybe by a percentage point, right? Yeah. Uh, winner, uh, Darlington, and us as fans. Darlington now starts the playoffs. It is followed by Richmond and Bristol, right? What a what a trio! You could almost couldn't pick a better three that, races to start. That's the quite a gauntlet, as they would say. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Darlington and Bristol in the same breath. Yeah. You're talking about a lot of. And you got Richmond tucked in there between three quarter mile fast track, where well, capable of uh, creating stuff used to be more capable. Darlington. Uh, is, and Bristol, though, you, when you think of Darlington and Bristol, you think of rough and tumble racing. Yeah, and, and, you know, being the third race of the playoffs makes it uh, means that the field is cut, the playoff field is cut from 16 to 12 after that third race of the playoffs. Right. And being at Bristol, it gives it that, uh, it gives it percentage wise a better opportunity for some of the stuff that Bristol became famous for back in the, in the 90s when the night race at Bristol became must see TV. Right. Because guys were just. Killing each other there, bumping each other out of the way, rattling cages. Yeah, you know, and so right. that's what made Bristol such a great thing. But over recent years, it kind of mellowed out, you know, and they, and it's a little different track now, you know, and 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 you don't get what you you don't get as much of what you used to get. Now throw in the fact that it's a a cutoff race in the in the playoffs. Uh, you know, you you at least increase the possibility of bringing the old Bristol and bringing back bring back the anger, you know, bring back bring back. Jimmy, the Jimmy Johnson and uh, Buckshot, or I'm sorry, the uh, Jimmy Spencer and Buckshot Jones stuff. And, oh yeah, yeah, and and the Bodines against everybody and all that. Yeah, <laughs> Rusty Wallace and and Earnhardt and Labonte and Cage Rattling. Yeah. yeah, that's what you know. That's what they need. You know, they sure do. So hopefully that helps. So, so I, Darlington winner. Do I have another loser? Pocono loser. Tell me, tell me it's not. Well, well, let me I, first I got let it. me set the scene for those who might have missed it. Next summer, 
On this weekend of June 27 and 28, there will be two cup races at Pocono. They're going to have a weekend doubleheader. Normally, their two cup races are only, what, about six weeks apart? Yeah. Because they got a narrow weather window there in the Poconos, so they have to cram them both in. And they're a little too close together, frankly, you know, So uh, especially these days. So now they're going to run them both on the same weekend. I say Pocono's a loser because it hints at the fact that the following year, Pocono will be a prime candidate to go from two races to one race. Right. That's my thinking. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. But and I'm willing to be proven wrong. I think I think Pocono, being an independent track, so they're not owned by any cor- right. conglomerate. Yeah. You know, they're not owned by the France family or Bruton Smith's right. family. Yes. So they're independent track. Right. Um, they would probably run three races on one Sunday if you ask them. them. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't think there was any pushback on this doubleheader thing at all from them. Yeah. They just want to keep NASCAR at Pocono. Yep. So. But do you think this hints at them going from two to one race? You know, the two races in one weekend, I think they're going to study it. And it could be just two races in one weekend from now on. I mean, I don't think, I don't see a downside to having two races. I think it's odd that if they're going to keep them at 500 and 400 miles, I think that's a lot of, that's a lot of, yeah. uh, Well, you know, I, if they want to push them to 300. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's going to happen yeah. is they're going to shorten the races. Yeah. They and, almost have to, don't they? Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then, you know, they're, they're, they, they, NASCAR has already said yesterday that they haven't worked out the logistics of that yeah. weekend. You know, they, they just know where they're going to be. They're going to run two races on one weekend. That's all that they know <laughs> at this point. They don't know. You know, do you use the same car? Do you use a different car? Can you use a different? Is there yeah. going to be two qualifying sessions? You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like is the finish of the first race going to be the start of the second race? Are they, <laughs> can they invert that? Interesting. Yeah, they got a lot of possibilities. Yeah, there's a one lot. One of the little intriguing things I read yesterday was somebody speculating. It was two days ago, speculating about what was going to come, and apparently there's been you know a little not a mini groundswell of uh, support for people proposing to do it, do an IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader. Right. And I know that the guy who runs IndyCar, Jay Fry, has a lot of NASCAR background. He's well thought of, well liked, has a lot of connections. And if the time was ever right for those two groups to be in cahoots and not necessarily be rivals, it would be now because I think they are both in need of securing uh, as much of a auto racing fan base in this country as they can and the uh, thought of them being in cahoots before was always off the table but and, now there's a chance and think, think about this they're under the same umbrella tv wise yeah nbc's that right. televises both series now. yeah and nbc is believe it or not and i'm going to tell you straight up they're a big player in motorsports right now i mean they are huge in motorsports yeah so uh they may even get huger. Huger. Yeah. Huger. How would you say it? More huge? Bigger? Uh, bigger. Or, yeah. Yes. Humongous. Like, humongous. Like huger. Humongous. Yeah. yeah. All right. You know what we're going to do next? We're going to actually talk about what's, what went on last week. And, oh, we got to play. Well, yeah, we got to sum it up with those guys. Yeah. Those guys. So what we have is we have Steve O'Donnell, and we're going – now we're going to flip back to Daytona. Okay. I was – trying to insert this when we were talking about yeah who cares we're about flipping back to the daytona factor 
and we got Steve O'Donnell explaining why the decision was made to basically Indy and Daytona are flip-flopping their dates. The Brickyard 400 and the Coke 400. Yeah. Daytona. And then that's followed by uh, Chip Weil. Uh, We sat down and talked yesterday. He's the president of Daytona International Speedway. And then we get his reaction to the schedule news for 2020. Here we go. Here we go. Who's first? We got Steve O'Donnell first. For NASCAR and then Chip Weil for the Speedway. Right. All right. Here we go. Well, I think it's also hot in Daytona on July 4th, so that's a bit of a bit of a myth to say it's it's hot in a certain market. So I think a couple things when when you look at it. So Daytona, in terms of traditional dates, Daytona is a traditional venue that that drivers want to win on and, and want to race and want to race there when the most important factors are on the line. <clears throat> and so when we talk to the industry, um, the industry really drivers and teams wanted Daytona to end the regular season. Um, they thought that was the best date to open up the season with the Daytona 500 and then end the regular season with that last chance to get into the playoffs. Um, everyone felt Daytona belonged there and that track deserved um, to potentially be in that date. So that kind of started the thinking. And then as you look at July 4th being a traditional weekend around NASCAR in general, obviously needed an iconic venue to, to fill that slot. And you don't have to look far to say that Indianapolis can easily fill that um, for, from a track standpoint, an iconic track for us, um, a great celebration of July 4th. And I think we'll have some, some good things to report in what that weekend will look like as well around July 4th and 5th. That was Steve O'Donnell for NASCAR. Next up, Daytona Speedway President Chip Wild discussing the move of the summertime race at Daytona. It's a huge change. You know, we have a storied, rich history, and we're now getting to write the next chapter in our in our story. Right. Uh, you know, we, we start the season here at Daytona with a Daytona 500, and now we're going to book in the regular season by finishing the regular season here at Daytona with the Coke Zero Sugar 400 on Saturday night, August 29th, uh, under the lights. And, you know, you think about big moments in sports. Uh, they happen on the biggest stage. Right. You think about the Daytona 500 and, and the moments that you got when remembered from the, the 61 runnings of the, of the Daytona 500. Uh, you think about the, the things that happened uh, during the Cooks or Sugar was on the 4th of July. And now think about this setting the stage where you know, your drivers have the opportunity to, to have a walk-off home run moment to make the playoff. Uh, and that's something that uh, we're really excited about. Well, I mean, you look at Eric Amarola a couple of years ago during the Cook Series Sugar 400. You know, he won the race, and that helped uh, get him get into the and, into the playoff. Right. Uh, and I think, you know, Daytona and the Super Speedway package is the great equalizer. So everybody comes to Daytona knowing they have a shot to win. Even the teams that are underfunded. You look at Michael McDowell this year during the Daytona 500 with two to go. He, he had a real shot to win the Daytona 500. Uh, and nobody even was expecting him to run inside the top ten. I think you'll have those same kind of moments uh, during the Cook Zero Sugar 400 uh, on August 29th because all these drivers have the same opportunity to win, and they're going to do whatever it takes to make the playoff. You know, and when we roll down here in, in, in February, every driver has the same opportunity to win the day 2500 and to make the playoff. And by the time we come back, you have one shot left. 
to, to try to capture a victory and, and have your name one as one of the 16 drivers. And then you also have uh, the, the bubble drivers who haven't, haven't locked themselves in in the first 25 races and, and have to make sure that they stay inside of that top 16. And so there's going to be a lot of storylines that are going to be playing out through the weekend. And I think it will add just some extra element of drama for our fans uh, as they come to the Coke Zero Show 400. Thank you, Steve O'Donnell. Thank you, Chip Wow. We're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and talk a little bit of actual auto racing, right, Mr. Kelly? Auto racing. And then we'll play the birthday game, and uh, we'll wrap all that racing. up in green-white checkers right after this. Uh, Roger Penske, Joe Gibbs, the two race teams. Godwin Kelly, tell me, when will some other team win an automobile race? <laughs> never. It's never going to happen. Wow. Hendrick yeah. is just, uh, they're egg-sucking dogs, aren't they? I mean, poor old Chase, Chase Elliott must be, he got to be running way over his head. Got a second-place finish. Nobody else on that team can, you know, they're back there uh, mid-packing. Yeah. You know? Well, to see... Seven-time champion, yep. Nine-time winner at Martinsville, yeah. Jimmy Johnson get lapped twice, yeah. And there's no problem with the car. I mean, he he had a, he had a flawless race, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Easiest twentieth place he ever had, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, it. So he finishes two laps down to the you know the lead pack. Yeah. I mean. There's that's a big problem. Seven, a now, seven-time champion crew chief Chad Canals goes over to Billy the Billy the Kid's car, number twenty-four, William Byron. That's not that has not been a magic formula or, or a cure-all either. No, be, yeah. and and the thing about that is, if you think about Martinsville, they qualified six, you know, but got uh, they got and you know when they went through the room of doom yeah didn't make it they didn't make so it give him credit for cheating anyway trying to get back up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, then alex uh alex bowman the showman is now alex bowman where did he go man <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen him you know he's i'm looking for his picture on the side of a milk carton for god's sake nothing's going on get on the gas son there's something amiss there something's amiss at uh hendrick motorsports yeah, and, and, and it's time they find out figure it out or they're going to go the way of uh, jack roush you know racing and childress you know you, yeah. get, you get behind and sometimes you get so far behind you lose the draft and and all the other teams leave you and then it's hell you play hell trying to catch up and play hell or pay hell i don't know so anyway uh Something better start happening, and, and the sooner the better. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so you got the Penske guys, yep. and the thing about them is, if you've noticed, yeah. um, they've got three drivers. Yep. Two drivers have won races, three total. Three Keselowski w- and Logano. Right. And now the third guy. Running good. He's he, about to win. Yeah, he's, about, he's my choice this week. Ryan, Ryan Blaney. Blaney's about my, to He's my choice to win. Fixing to. Fixing to win. He finished. You know, he finished second in this race last year. Yeah. So, so, so they're running well, and uh, Gibbs is running well. Well, Gibbs. Okay, you got uh, Denny winning the five hundred, which is a you know crapshoot. But Denny's run well all season. So he's far. run okay. Much better than last year, though. He's run okay. He's running better than he did last year. And he's top tenning him to death. Yeah, but Kyle Busch yep. is just. The man. Yep. You know, he is unbelievable. Truex is top 10. Truex. Living in the top 10. He's living in the top 10. Yeah. Um, I think Jones. I think Clint Boyer. Clint Boyer. Is, um, he he raced for Stuart Stuart Haas. Haas. I think he, 
if they could get their act together, yeah. if they could put the package together over he's there, ready. he's ready to win. I mean, they, he, he, he should have won Martinsville. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. Well, gonna, he got in trouble. I'm going to plant my flag. I'm going to say he yeah. should have won Martinsville. Yeah. The guy had two speeding penalties, yeah. had to start from the back of the field twice, and finished seventh. I mean, that's, I that's amazing. That you, can I suggest – I'm going to give you five guys who are non – Penske Gibbs drivers with the best chance to win a race other than, you know, the Penske Gibbs guys. And you tell me which of the five you suspect it will be. Now, you just – I'm going to name Boyer. You just jumped all over him. I got Boyer. I'm going to name Kevin Harvick. That's two guys from Stuart Haas. Right. Uh, I'm going to go with both of the Ganassi guys, Kyle Larson and Kurt Busch. Right. And the lone Hendrick guy who's above nose is above water, Chase Elliott. Right. Could possibly throw in, you might want to throw in a six guy, Almarola, but I think those five are the best. You're saying Boyer? I think I think Boyer is, is up there. I'm going to go ahead, Kevin Harvick. I think Boyer is up there, and uh, obviously uh, – you know, you could have a situation where you know Matt De Benedetto. Hey, Matty D. He's he's one of those guys that could win a race like on a mileage thing or a rain thing. But I'm not counting those. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That, but I he's, them, he's I scrubbed them from history. Yeah, but they they've gone from a 30th place car mm-hmm. to a 15th place car. Yep. And when you get into that 15 range, you can win a race on situation. You can win a race on situation. Win the situational 400. Yeah. yeah. So check the uh, radar, Maddie D. When you go to Texas. Texas. Who would look, who would make who's the you know when you win in Texas they give you the Stetson right big old cowboy hat. Yeah. Uh, who's who is who looks more who looks most natural in the cowboy hat and who would look most uh, unnatural in a cowboy hat. Uh, I think Chase would look pretty natural in yeah. a cowboy hat. Um, I think Austin Dillon doesn't count because he wears one. He all wears the time. one all the it's time. Good for the brand, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen Kyle Busch in a cowboy hat. Pretty unnatural. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was gonna go with uh, I was gonna go with uh, Truex, although he's a Jersey boy, he looks like a guy who would be in a cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. And since you already picked Kyle mm-hmm. Busch. I'll go Eric Jones, most unnatural in a cowboy hat. Maybe William Byron. <laughs> William Byron in a cowboy hat. Yeah, he looked like Ricky Schroeder in uh, in uh, Lonesome Dove. You know, he's the son just tagging along with a cowboy hat on. Uh, all right. Well, I've uh, had enough except for the birthdays. You ready? Well, and don't forget uh, also our your dad joke of the week. Dad joke. I picked out a real dandy. Too. All right, we're gonna play the birthday game because Goblin's really good at it. Today we have two Hall of Famers who were born on the same uh, same same date. You ready? All right. I'll just go ahead and make it a package deal. They were born on the same day. I almost screwed up. Then I'd save myself. Then I'm just gonna go ahead and make it a package deal. They both turned the same age today. They were born on the same exact day, both Hall of Famers, Cale Yarbrough and Maurice Petty. They call me Maurice Petty. Now, you're saying... They were born on on this the, date the exact, the exact the same, same day. Yes, in the same year. They were born on the same day. Do I have to say it a fourth time? Yes. Yeah. Well, Maurice Petty and Cale Yarbrough turned the same age today. And what is that number, Mr. Kelly? 
I bet you're going to come within a one year. You're going to miss it by a year. I okay, so I feel it. So I, now I got to go back to my cyphering, okay? Because oh. I got to go back to like '83, '84, and Kyle, Kyle, Kale. I don't know was, who Kyle Yarbrough is. <laughs> uh, Kale was in the Twilight as crew. They didn't name having, kids Kyle back then. He's having quite good success. I think that was a '70s thing. Kyle started then. I think. Yeah. Although Kyle so, Petty was born, what, 59 or 60? So that's been, if I'm ciphering right, it's like 40 years. But the Petties might years. have been saying Kale and it came out Kyle, and that's what the, they wrote down on the birth certificate <laughs> <laughs> when Kyle was born. Uh, all right, throw me a number. You're going to come within it. You're going to miss it right, by a year so anyway, I, whatever you say. I, I'm working on Yarbrough's age when he had those great years in 83, 84. Okay. And he was in his 40s, so I'm going to say 80. Damn it. You didn't miss it by a year. You didn't miss it by a day. They're 80 today. Oh. Kale Yarbrough and Maurice Pettit are both 80 day. years old today. On the same day. <laughs> All right, Monday, David Gilliland. Gilliland? Gilliland. And the skipper. Uh, you know, this is weird. Because Millionaire he's and got his a, wife. He's got a kid that races. Todd, but that's right? deceiving. The movie star. It's very deceiving because he's actually younger. Here on Gilliland. Okay, so the kid's at least 18. So, uh, You're working actuarial tables. Yeah. You're guessing. No, that's funny. So uh, if you've got 18 and then you got, uh, I got a number in my mind. Okay, 39. Woof, 43. Ah. Dang, you had him planting that seed early, didn't you? Yeah, I, I mean, All right, well, still. Yeah. One more, Tuesday, a uh, little obscure for the uh, for a lot of people out there, but he's one of our locals, a friend of ours, used to run ARCA series, a little bit of Bush series, ran one cup race back in, I think, uh, 2000, give or take. No, I'll tell you when it was, it was 98, when the, when the Firecracker 400 was run in October because of the forest fires we had here in July. Uh, anyway, one-time Cup Series starter one, ran a lot of Bush and Arca. Dan Pardis really? has a birthday next Tuesday. No kidding. Disco Danny Pardis. Mm. Yes, sir, Bob. Oh, right. look at you. You put a lot of work into this. Well, it's, it's fun yeah. to watch. He's one of those guys that he doesn't age. No, he doesn't. He looks has a to, utilities company here in town. Very to successful. To me, he very, looks pretty much the same as he did back yeah. that. Well, he does to me too. But I'm pass, when I'm passing him, he's usually beside the road. And he's kind of at a distance, so I don't get right up close. So. <laughs> well, I've yeah. I've seen him up close here okay. a few times in the well, recent. Bless his heart, good for him. And uh, he's got two kids at race. Yeah, and uh, he's actively involved. I'll say fifty five. Pretty good, Gumma. 56. Oh, okay. Happy birthday, Dan. Danny. We'll beep at you if I see you on the side. Danny of the boy. He's one of the guys that stands there while other people are digging. Yeah. It's a great gig. Well, he owns the company. He does so. own the company. Yeah. All right, you're going to finish with a dad joke, and then we're going to get out of here. So, Make it a good one. So is there a good one in there? So this is, the book's called Dad Jokes. Yep. Bad Jokes and Puns Inspired by Dads. Cool. All right. Page 13. Joke 8. <laughs> <laughs> All rise. <laughs> Join the choir. Mm. All right. You'll like this one. Yeah. What did the dad bartender say when a customer asked for a refund on his beer? Uh, 
you know, even if I knew the answer to that, it would suck if I ruined the joke, right? Yeah. So I, what did the dad bartender say when the customer asked for a refund on his beer, Goblin? This is the pint of no return. <laughs> <laughs> I literally laughed. <laughs> it's all in the delivery, I guess. <laughs> all right. Ken Wellis, Goblin Kelly, this has been Daytona Motor now, Mouse, and we do it again next yeah, week, and it'll be our 100th. Make sure week. to join us next week for our 100th episode. Tell the kids. Tell the kids, and we'll probably do uh, a more extended Facebook Live. I have to say it. No gifts, please. No yeah, gifts. It's very awkward. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that's all we got. See you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Daytona Motor Mouths. To reach the program, please visit DaytonaMotorMouths.com or follow on Twitter at NASCAR Daytona or Facebook at NASCAR Daytona. And thanks for joining us. Daytona Motor Mouths is a production of the Daytona Beach News Journal.